0: we are prepared to welcome our radio audience and we thank you who are listening over radio station KKVV for tuning in once again to the services of the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church today our speaker is Dr. Bradford Newton who is the outgoing president or leader of all of the Seventh-day Adventist Churches in the states of Nevada and Utah. Dr. Newton is a native of California. He is here today with his wife, Jennifer, who is a hospital consultant and who has been very, very close to him in his leadership role in these two states for the past three years or more. And you should know, especially those of you who are knowledgeable of the system and situation, that Dr. Newton is leaving us to become the secretary of the Pacific Union of Seventh-day Adventists. And that takes in seven conferences, four in the state of California, one in Hawaii, one in Arizona, and of course the one that he is now leaving. He will be the secretary, meaning he will be I guess I can put it this way, the number two man in the whole field, and very, very importantly, will be custodian of the records. I'm glad I know the Secretary of the Union. We, we have a friend in the White House, and uh, we, we know where we can push buttons, maybe. Dr. Dr. Newton, of course, is a pastor's pastor. He has related to us pastors as a pastor, And that's based upon his own experience in that regard. He's a man who was led out in the field across this union as well as the religious liberty leader. And he is well prepared to function at that post where he is now being called. We're happy that his last official act could be here at Abundant Life. He leaves this job on Monday. So we're the the goodbye. We're giving him a send-off by having him here as a part of our fellowship. And I know you will let him know when he leaves, how much you appreciate him. Don't forget, one of the last times he was here, he brought $50,000 to help us pay off this building. So you remember that, don't you? (laughs) Dr. Newton, we thank you for being here today, that you were able to work your calendar to be with us. We look forward to hearing what the Lord says to you and through you. After Our Scripture by Dominique Miller and Our Sacred Selection by Sister Gail Ellis, who will sing a song that I have personally requested and that I know most of us have heard and loved, and I'm sure will bless you as you step forward to bless us. Dominique. Dominique.
1: The scripture is found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing to these words. Thank you
2: song. Perfect message. It's good to be here today, isn't it? In the house of the Lord. And for those of you who are watching by video next door, we feel you there too. We're glad that you are all here to praise and work. What a wonderful day. Baptisms. Dedicating men to ministry. Dr. Rock, I want to take a moment to just thank you, to thank you, not just for today to be in your pulpit, on your first day back, I'm honored by that, but I want to thank you for your friendship, your collegiality with me, and your wisdom for your new president who came in. And I've learned many things from working with you. Uh, I don't know about high places but you've got a friend wherever I go (laughs) Abundant Life Church I praise the Lord for what God has done through you in this community I have had many meaningful moments that have been here within the walls of this sanctuary Uh, I have had opportunity to be able to become friends with many of you here in this auditorium. Thank you for your dedication to God's work in this very unique place of Las Vegas. I've said that the consolation prize for me being called to the Pacific Union is that I still get to come around here. (laughs) Nevada, Utah will always, always have the preeminent place in my heart and I shall never forget you, but we have some time left today to talk together about Jesus. That's really why we came, you know, to talk about Jesus. And I want to uh, have you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. I did not want this Sabbath to go by without me being able to preach a sermon on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I know that the Christian world celebrated that time last week, but bear with me, because the resurrection of Jesus is timeless, Amen. is good talking time. Matthew or Luke chapter 24. The Enlightenment author of the Declaration of Independence and our third president was Thomas Jefferson. But did you, or perhaps you did not know, that he actually edited a New Testament, a New Testament himself. I actually have a copy of that New Testament in my library. And what he did is Thomas Jefferson, who was a deist, meaning he did not believe in the supernatural intervention of God, in time and space on our world, took his, uh, he didn't have a word processor or a computer back in those days, so what he did is he literally did with scissors and uh, glue and he cut and pasted the New Testament into a version of the New Testament that he thought was more authentic. And what he did is he considered the only real value of the text would be the moral teachings of Jesus. Anything that was supernatural, any miracles, any of the things that had to do with things that God would have had to do something outside of the natural laws of nature were taken out. And the Jefferson Bible, as you read it through, sounds familiar, but there's a lot of things missing. And then it ends with these words. There laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulchre and departed. The end. That's how the Jefferson Bible ends. So, was Jefferson right? Are the good teachings of Jesus of Nazareth enough? Were insightful parables sufficient to launch a worldwide religious movement spanning 20 centuries? Are Jesus' words alone worth dying for? Is a martyr's memory powerful enough to change a sin-hardened heart? Well, the great deist Thomas Jefferson bequeathed to America the blessings of separation of church and state, but sadly, his Bible leaves humanity dejected and hopeless at the garden tomb. And this is certainly how the women felt when they came to the tomb on that early Sunday morning. And I want you to read along with me as they dejectedly come to the tomb, Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they'd prepared and went to the tomb. They found... The stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed their faces down to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead. He is not here. He is risen. See, they would not have been conversational about this. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and on the third day, be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. By the way, ladies, who bore the first testimony of the resurrected Lord? The sisters of the church. But what did the brothers do? But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself, what happened? God's voice... Cascades down through the atmosphere to a very tiny geographical spot outside Jerusalem, a borrowed tomb. An angel speaks and says, Jesus, thy father calls for thee. The cosmic explosion that went on that Sunday morning had its ripples that begin to fan out even at that morning. You see, there were those Roman soldiers guarding the tomb, wondering how they were ever going to explain how their dead charge escaped. There's a lot of wondering going on in that text. The Jewish rulers wondered how to suppress the reality that this one who troubles the nation was alive again. Lies about disciple fevery only delayed the inevitable truth. The disciples wondered. They wondered as they talked with Jesus, touched his scars, had breakfast with him of fish and bread, and for 40 days later then watched him on the Mount of Olives rise out of his sight into the sky. The world, my friends, is still wondering about the resurrection of Jesus. Atheists deny it. The liberal textual critics dismiss the Bible as myth. And to be honest, many believers live as if it never really happened. But to those wondering ones, a little lady that I like to listen to, named Ellen White, said this from Grateful Hearts. From lips touched with holy fire, let the glad song ring out. Christ is risen. He lives to make intercession for us. Grasp this hope, she says, and it will hold the soul like a sure, tried anchor. What anchors do? When winds blow, anchors hold. When storms toss, anchors hang on what is our anchor today Jesus believe she says and thou shalt see the glory of God let me tell you about little Philip little Philip was born with down syndrome he was able though to attend a third grade Sunday school class with several eight-year-old boys and girls the children uh, did not really take to him too well, as children sometimes feel uneasy with those that are different than they are. But because of a very creative teacher, because of a very creative teacher, they began to care about Philip and accept him as part of the group. The Sunday came for their Sunday school class. It was after Easter, and the teacher brought And ladies, I had to ask my wife this morning how long it's been. You remember how legs, pantyhose used to come in an egg? She said you'd all remember. It's been a long time. But she brought a whole bunch of these little legs, pantyhose, eggs to class. And the children were told to go outside into the playground and into the yard of the church on that lovely spring day and find some symbol of new life and put it inside that little plastic-legs egg. So after running about the church property in wild confusion, the students finally returned to the classroom and placed the containers on the table. Surrounded by the children, the teacher began to open them up, one by one, and after each one, whether it was a flower, or a butterfly, or a leaf, the class would ooh and ah in amazement. And then one was opened, and there was nothing inside of it. And the children exclaimed, well that's stupid, somebody didn't do the assignment. (laughs) Philip spoke up, that's mine. Philip, you don't ever do things right, the student shouted. There's nothing there. I did, too, do it right, Philip insisted. It's empty because the tomb is empty. (laughs) Silence followed, and then from that moment on, the children really did come to accept Philip. It is a full member of the class. But Philip's health failed. He died He died not long afterwards from an infection that most kids would just shrug off. And at his funeral, his young friends marched up to his casket, not with flowers, but with their Sunday school teacher, each with an empty pantyhose leg, and left it there. Over 300 verses in the New Testament speak of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the resurrection of Jesus turns sadness into joy. The resurrection of Jesus makes heroes out of cowards. It transforms our doubts into rock-solid certainties. The resurrection of Jesus gives you and I certainty certainty. This heavenly anchor is forged from three certainties that are revealed in the resurrection of Jesus. And for a few moments, I want us to just think about the three certainties that come from the resurrection of Jesus this morning. Number one, the certainty that our salvation is secure. We're talking about anchors now, certain anchors the certainty that our salvation is secure in Christ. Number 2, the certainty that death is a vanquished foe. Certainty number 3, the certainty of power to share this good news with others. All right, let's unpack it quickly. Certainty number 1, that our salvation is secure in Christ. Our text, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 5. Would you be able to turn there quickly with me? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. We're talking about certain anchors. Peter, the mature Peter, the Peter who has stood the test, the Peter who's wandered the world for Christ. In his latter years, writes these words, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth, a new birth. First Peter chapter one, verse three, four and five. continuing. A new birth, into a living hope, through what, everyone? The resurrection of Jesus, Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Where is it kept? Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter understands what you and I need to embrace this morning. The resurrection of Jesus gives us new birth. Don't you ever wish sometimes you could just start all over again? You know, there are some folks who are starting all over again right now in these hard economic times, are they not? They're losing their homes. I know there are foreclosures happening all over Las Vegas. Maybe some of you here in this room right now are feeling like you just... Wow, life is tough. Maybe you're feeling like you wish you had a new start, though. you got your home, but there's other things in your life that you just wish you could start over again. But you know what happens in this text? It tells me that when you comprehend what Jesus did for you upon the cross as you were singing that song, it was right, right, what Jesus did for us. When you surrender your affections and your intellect to Jesus... It's like being born a second time. I can't explain it, but it's true. Don't you just love what verse four says? An inheritance that could never perish, spoil, or fade. You are now in God's family. Those candidates that were baptized today, symbolizing the new birth that comes through baptism. You're in God's family. Brothers and sisters, We're not there physically yet, but God says that you have a hope that will not fade with time. Jesus will not forget you. You know how wonderful that is? You know how tragic it is for children whose parents grow old and become afflicted with Alzheimer's? A mother who would not recognize her own son or daughter. They may forget, but Jesus will never forget. He's always with us and Jesus protects his property. Peter says we are shielded by his power. This comes through the power of the resurrection. It brings certainty that our salvation is safe with Jesus. You claim Him today. You say yes to Him today. You have the certainty. Certainty number two, the certainty that death is a vanquished foe. I'm just going to read you a couple passages as our time goes by. 1 Corinthians 15, third, uh, 15 verse 20 to 22. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Romans chapter 6 verse 5. If you have been united with him like this in his death, he will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. As a pastor for many years, I have gone to the deathbeds of people who were members of my churches. And you make a visit in the hospital and you hold the hand of a dying man or woman. Or you talk to parents who lost their baby who was two days old at the hospital. And there is no other hope to offer except that they will see their loved ones again. When all else fails, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. If you're united with me now, you're united with me forever through my resurrection. That's good news. Teddy and his father were driving down a country road on a beautiful spring afternoon. Suddenly out of nowhere, a bumblebee, bumblebee flew into the window of the car and began to buzz around. Well, Teddy was petrified because he's allergic to bee stings, and so he's sitting there petrified. Dad, with great reflexes, quickly reached out and somehow grabbed that bee and kind of squeezed it in his his hand a little bit and then released it. But as soon as he let go of it, Teddy became frantic again because the bee kept bouncing around in the car. But once again, Dad reached out his hand, but this time... He simply laid his hand out and pointed to his palm. And there, stuck in his skin, was the stinger of the bumblebee. And he said, Do you see this? You don't need to be afraid anymore. I've taken the sting for you. Amen. There is one who has taken the sting of death for you and me Amen. Jesus. Amen. Jesus has taken the sting, absorbed the venom faced the second death, and has been risen victorious, and he lives today. You and I don't need to be afraid. We don't need to wonder. Jesus is our salvation. For the believer in Christ, death is but the intermission between life here and life to come for the remainder of eternity. And that's where, for some of us, we truly can know that in Christ, eternal life begins today. And it may be interrupted shortly by physical death, but Jesus says he'll come and wake up his children again. Funerals are sad, but for us they're not hopeless. Death is an enemy, but for us it is a vanquished foe. Our Heavenly Father remembers every spot where his children rest. Desire of Ages, page 787. The voice that cried from the cross, it is finished, was heard among the dead. It pierced the walls of sepulchers and summoned the sleepers to arise. Thus it will be when the voice of Christ shall be heard from heaven. That voice will penetrate the graves and unbar the tombs, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And the Savior's resurrection, at the Savior's resurrection, a few graves were opened, but at his second coming, all the precious dead shall hear his voice, and they shall come forth in glorious, immortal life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead will raise his church and glorify it with him above all principalities, above all powers, above every name that is named, and only in this world, but also in the world to come." I was at uh, our President's Council we have every year for all the conference presidents in North American Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we had a speaker who was our devotional speaker. His name is John Nixon. He's the pastor of Southern University Church. And he gave our devotional, and he said this, and I've always believed this, but he said it in such a succinct way that I want to share it with you. The reason that we call ourselves Adventists is because if you name yourself as an Adventist, it is because you believe that Jesus Christ will come in your lifetime. If you are an Adventist, it is your testimony that you believe that Jesus Christ will come in your lifetime. Jesus is coming, and when he comes, he's going to wake up all the sleepers. And we have the certainty of knowing that we have confidence in our salvation through him. That death is a vanquished foe, and certainty, number three, is the certainty of power To share the good news with others. I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says to his disciples, men and women standing on the Mount of Olives, Mary Magdalene is there, Jesus' mother is there, the eleven disciples are there and he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses where Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and what's left all to the ends of the earth that last part is what's bequeathed to us now in 2008 we are called to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth the resurrected Lord has a vital lesson here And that is that the potency of the church to carry her mission comes from one source. What is it? The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 12 to 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. You will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Abundant Life Church, are you asking for Las Vegas when you pray? I hope you are. I pray every day for God's work to break out and to bring the gospel of Jesus to this city. And you are here. You are God's men and women in His army of light to be here. But how will it be done? Is it going to be done by cutting-edge strategies, by sharper websites, by better production values, or any other human contrivances? Well, look, they all have their place. I mean, I believe in having a good website. I believe that we ought to be thinking smart. But nothing comes close to the real thing, a single heart, a single heart. Holy committed to Christ will break out and make the difference that God needs here. Amen. And how will that happen? By spending more time praying than I, how much time I spend trying to think about what I'm gonna wear. It's gonna be more time uh, praying than watching ESPN. I'm talking to myself I am. we got to get serious about this thing because Jesus is coming back. The resurrection of Jesus brings us certainty. What is it? Certainty of salvation. Certainty of victory over death. Certainty of power to share the good news. Little did those women know that when they ran from the empty tomb that Sunday morning that they were the heralds of a new reality. He is not here. He is risen. But he is present in the church. I invite you this morning to grasp this hope, to have his promise that it will hold you like a firm anchor through whatever life will bring you. Benjamin Franklin. I'll close with another American founder. Benjamin Franklin penned his epitaph years before his death and he expressed the hope that we can enjoy. Here it is. The body of B. Franklin printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here food for worms. Hmm. But the work shall not be wholly lost. For it will, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. My brothers and sisters, that is our hope. That Jesus Christ, our Savior, risen today, will take us from glory to glory until he comes to take us home. May we all be united together when he comes, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: says come to jesus come to jesus come to jesus just now and i know of no better way to respond to this very sweet and very full message than to once again open the doors of the church we do not like to end any service without giving an opportunity For that man or woman who maybe like the deist, doesn't really believe in God and his power and presence. Or maybe you were once a member of the church and you have left and you want to come back. You want to end this quarter with a rededication of your life. Or maybe you've been getting Bible studies and you've been tuning up for baptism already and you'd like to take this occasion just to say, yeah, Let me mark the calendar again. We had a baptism and I'd like to be in the next one. Count me in. Lord, help me. Give me the power. Give me the strength. I believe. Lord, help thou mine unbelief. And as we anchor our hopes in the second coming, grounded in the death, burial, and resurrection, we can end this beautiful service today by seeing men and women take that forward step. Won't you sing with me? come to jesus and if you're one of those categories please stand come to Jesus. you used to be you want to come back god bless you come on down monica come on down who else you used to be you want to come back stand and say yeah I want to be in the next baptism would you like to stand where you are you want to be in the next baptism I wish I could tell you Monica's story she's stepping up here brave young woman who's been out there and she said pastor the last time I saw her, I'm coming and here she is and God's got some more like that who else